Welcome to the Contagious Hope Podcast, where we believe that things don't just happen by chance, but that God is working in every detail of life. We believe, like the Bible says, that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. So he's not done with you yet, and there is much hope to be had as we seek out the abundant life Jesus promised and daily move closer to our heavenly home. So with that said, let's jump right in to our next episode of Contagious Hope. Hey, y'all, I'm so excited about this episode. So thanks so much for tuning in to Contagious Hope. Today, we're going to talk about another attribute of God, how God is merciful. And I'm so excited about this one because I need mercy so much. And a lot of times, if I'm honest, I think about the things that my kids do, and I think, why in the world would they do that? And I think of myself when I was 14 or when I was 16 or 18 or 20, like each of my kids, and I think, man, they're doing pretty well. (laughs) So thank you, Lord, for bringing me this far by your mercy, by your grace. You know, the truth is, I wonder, you know, sometimes can I go through even a day or two without sinning? So uh, boy, do I need mercy. So this is such a refreshing thing. So this is a little bit more uh, sweet and and I'm laughing. It's lighthearted because God's mercy is so, so much the, the part of the good news of the gospel that everybody would want to hear. Who wouldn't want mercy? Why in the world would an unbeliever not want to talk about Jesus and the one who extends mercy and grace so we can go to heaven? So here's the thing, y'all. In, in Genesis chapter 3, it doesn't take long for Adam and Eve to sin. The first people on the earth, God sets them in the garden. He says, you can eat any of these trees from any of these trees, except the one in the middle. And Eve sees that fruit and it looks very pleasing to the eye. And the serpent comes up, Satan comes up and says, you know, hey, you should consider this because it'll make you like God. Eve takes the bait. She sins. God confronts them in in the early part of Genesis, and they start to blame each other. Eve blames the snake, and Adam's standing right there, men of God. The world is dying for men of God, to be men of God, and to lead. Uh, and Adam does not do that. He's standing right there, and he's, then he blames Eve. Hey, that's the woman you gave me. So everybody's blaming everybody else. Instead of unashamed and naked, now they are fearful and full of shame because those things come as soon as sin comes. Shame comes and fear comes. So in Genesis 3, verse 21, the Bible says that God made skins to cover them. That's grace. And if they were skins, then an animal had to shed its blood. So that's that's mercy and grace. And blood must be shed for sacrifice. So that is a foreshadowing, the fact that God knew that as soon as they sinned, he would need to send his son, Jesus, to build a bridge for us to come back to him after we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. So mercy is all over the Old Testament. Although God was a God of justice, and still is, but especially in the Old Testament, he's also a God of mercy. We know that because he sat on the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place in the temple. And then, you know, mercy is what led Jesus to the, to the cross. Mercy is littered through, it's all over the place. And Jesus is walking his story as he encounters all these people, blind beggars who say things like, son of David, please have mercy on me. And Jesus responds to that request. People who came to Jesus to be healed were because he was full of mercy. 
And the Holy Spirit hands us the baton today and say, says, if you're going to be like God on this earth, if you're going to shine the love of God and of Jesus, it's your turn to show mercy. So we should, re- we should celebrate this. We should be so excited for chances to show, to show mercy. So it's hard to, to hone in on just one story about mercy because they're all over the place. But I'm going to tell you a story and remind you of a story that's in the Bible about Mephibosheth. Yeah, say that five times fast. Mephibosheth. Okay, I'm not going to. But here's the thing. Jonathan is King Saul's son. King Saul is the first king of Israel. Jonathan is his son, and him and David are tight. And because Jonathan understands that David is going to end up being the king of all Israel because Saul is jealous, Saul is on his way downhill by his own pride uh, and his own jealousy of David. Saul understands that David is going to be king one day. And so Saul, uh, Jonathan understands that, excuse me. And so Jonathan tells David, hey, make this pact with me that when you come to power, you will remember my family and be kind to my family. And so, and David makes that pact. And so there's a story later in the Bible where King Saul and and uh, Jonathan, his son, are fighting in the army, and the armies of Israel are going downhill quick because of the evil uh, that's in, especially King Saul. And so they're being defeated by their enemies. And Mephibosheth, who's Jonathan's son, his nurse picks him up because the townspeople are running away because they're about to be overcome by the enemy. And she drops him when he's five years old, and he lands in a funny way. Uh, which is interesting to me as a physical therapist, but so much so that he is lame. His feet are useless, essentially, so he's crippled. Fast forward several years later, David becomes king and rises to power. So the usual thing to do at that day and time is when you become king, the other sons of the king before you need to be killed off so they're not a threat as far as being the royal heir to the throne. But, But David doesn't do that because he's a man of God. He's the man after God's own heart. And so David instead asked his servants, he said, is there anyone from the house of Jonathan, my friend, that I can show kindness to? And they say, yes, there is one. And so they bring Mephibosheth before David as we join the story. So let's jump into 2 Samuel chapter 9. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Now let's pause for a second because Mephibosheth had to be shaking in his, the boots that were on his lame feet, so to speak, shaking in his boots because he knows that the typical thing in those days is to kill off the other heirs to the throne so there's no threat to the newly established throne uh, that the new king will establish. And so David calls him in to his presence. He bows down to pay him honor. David says, Mephibosheth, at your service. And you know his voice had to be shaking. At your service, he replied. Don't be afraid. Now God tells us that over 300 times in the Bible, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. 
Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family, and you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. That's Second Samuel 9, verses 6 through 10. Listen, we're all Mephibosheth. We're all lame. We're all broken by our sin, by the problems we've caused. We are Mephibosheth. And God calls us to him. And we say, Lord, why would you even notice a dog like me? And God looks at us with grace and with mercy. Hear this. Feel this today in this troubled, frenetic-paced, eerie, scary, heavy world. God looks at you as he calls you to him. And he said, listen, by my son's blood and stripes, you're healed. Trust in me, have faith. And then I will seal you with my Holy Spirit. And you will always have a place at my table in the kingdom of God, at the feast of God. There's a song that you will all probably recognize that says, Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. So are you overwhelmed? Dial in. Are you overwhelmed by your breakup? By your divorce? By your parenting? By your grades? by your eating disorder, by your cutting, your vaping, your social media addiction, your alcohol addiction, your spouse's alcohol addiction? Are you overwhelmed by your job that wasn't all you thought it was going to be? Or a boss that is harsh and mean? Are you overwhelmed by way, the way that the people in the church have hurt you? Are you overwhelmed with your loneliness? Are you overwhelmed thinking of the loved one that passed away unexpectedly? Are you overwhelmed at the frenetic pace of your days? Are you overwhelmed by your lack of rest, your lack of sleep? Are you overwhelmed with your money situation? What overwhelms you? God offers mercy. (sighs) Take a breath. Let your pulse slow. Let your blood pressure drop. God offers you mercy right now. Lamentations 3, 19 through 24, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet 
This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions and His mercies, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace and help us in our time of need. You know the scene. The apostles are in the boat. Jesus comes in the middle of the night. He's walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. And then they realize it's Jesus. And Peter, with all his ups and downs, Peter, in this moment of clarity, realizes it's Jesus. And he says, Lord, if that's you, call me to you. And Jesus has come. And Peter did this crazy thing that nobody else has ever done besides Jesus. He steps out of the boat. He gets out of his comfort zone. He looks mercy in the face. He looks grace in the eyes. He steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. And when his eyes are on Jesus, he does this miraculous thing. And then he looks at the wind. And you can't see wind. You just see the evidence of wind. So that's that's fear, false evidence appearing real. You can't see the wind. You can just see the evidence of wind. But he, he sees the evidence, so he looks at the waves. And by that time, he's already halfway under. And the next thing you know, his head's underwater. But as soon as he goes underwater, mercy comes running. And Jesus reaches down his hand. And I used to think, and this is a confession about the faulty way that I saw our good God, that Jesus looked down in in him and fussed at him and said, you have little faith. What were you thinking? That's not, I don't think it's at all what happened. I think Jesus looked down and extended his hand and said, buddy, it's okay. I got you. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to doubt me. I got you. Jesus extends mercy to you. The prodigal son comes home and the father comes running and extends mercy. God's received. He wants to receive you that way. Satan thinks that, wants to make you think that I've done too much. I've sinned too much. I'm too far away. There's no way I can turn back. Stop. Hush, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is extending the same hand to you. Matthew 11 28 through 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Oh, Jesus, we need rest. You will, you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for thou art with us. And thy rod and thy staff, they spank. No, they don't spank. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our head with oil. 
and our cup, it overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Why would somebody not want Jesus? Y'all give him Jesus because here's the thing. Maybe nothing shows God's character more than us being merciful to those around us. Jesus told the Pharisees, hey, if you understood, Pharisees, that I desire mercy over sacrifice, you're sacrificing things because you're checking boxes and following rules, but I really, I desire mercy. Now, Jesus' sacrifice, mercy was wrapped all around it at the cross. And anytime you fast or you, you um, do intercessory prayer for someone, mercy and, and sacrifice are woven together, actually. But anyway, he said, I, I don't want you to sacrifice in, in the way that they did, which is, you know, don't handle, don't touch, don't taste, let's follow the rules. We have to be self-righteous and pious. No, he said, it's not as our mercy. I want you to show mercy. So let us be a people of mercy. That speaks the gospel. Can we remember that the next time we see the beggar on the side of the road? He's not an annoyance. Don't get into the other lane on purpose. Show him mercy in some way. Can we remember that, Christians, in the next election? When somebody you love in your own family feels differently or votes differently than you do? Can we remember that at work? When the person beside us who's in the cubicle is so annoying Can you just like buy her lunch or buy him lunch? Can you show him mercy? When your spouse lets you down, can you just show her mercy? When your kid lets you down, they flub it up again and again. Again, let me circle back around to remember how you were when you were 14 or 15 or 16. By God's grace, he showed me mercy and I'm here today. Mercy. Father, we thank you. Our blood pressures are able to lower as we just leave it all at the altar, at the cross. Oh, Jesus in your blood just runs over us. Thinking about that, that Romans 5 verse where it talks about in this grace in which you now stand as we're standing in a pool of grace and there's just grace and mercy on the waterfall and it's just going over us over and over again and Lord we're trying to argue Lord, but, but Lord I'm not good enough oh, 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 but my mouth fills up with grace and mercy because it's just coming down it's just flowing us but Lord you don't know it yeah he does know you mercy and grace it's just the waterfalls just keeps coming over it's mercy it's mercy it's mercy and you can't fight it you can't you don't need to fight stop trying to fight it it's mercy Jesus thank you Holy Spirit, help us show mercy. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And may the grace of God be upon all God's people. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Contagious Hope. Be sure to follow our Instagram page at contagious.hope.podcast and feel free to DM any questions you have concerning any topics discussed. Signing off for Contagious Hope, where Jesus gives us all the hope we'll ever need.